Father, we want to say we love you this morning. We just thank you for the greatest gift of your son. We just give him honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give him one more hand clap this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. On a count of three, we'll say happy birthday, Jesus. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. You may have a seat. Hallelujah. I don't want to take long, but I want to take and share a little bit of message entitled, It's All About the Presence, but not the presence, E-N-T-S, but you'll see on the screen about His presence. First of all, Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. Christmas was first celebrated in the year 98, okay? And it was 40 years later that it actually began to be celebrated as a Christian festival on December 25th. Before that, it was kind of irregularly celebrated in December, April, May, and most frequently in January. But Christmas is celebrated all around the world, but in different ways. In France, children put their shoes by the fireplace and wait for Father Christmas to come and fill them. In Spain, people dance and sing in the streets after midnight mass on Christmas Eve, and in Italy, the family prays while the mother places a figure of the Bambino, which is the Christ child, in the manger. And in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, Christmas dinner includes rice pudding that has a single almond in it, and whoever gets the almond is believed to have good luck the rest of the year. And in Australia and New Zealand, December comes during the summer, so many people celebrate Christmas by going to the beach. Let me say amen for that one. But the question I want to ask you is, how should we as believers celebrate Christmas, and what's it all about? I don't know, but when you're a kid, it, it is all about the presents. I mean, I could think months in advance, trying to get my list down and, and think of what I was going to get. Now, even as adults, we get caught up in presents. But it's not a, and if it's not about just even getting the presents we want, it's about getting the presents and making sure our children are happy and, and all the, the family members. And, and when the family gets extended, it gets that much more difficult to try to make sure you keep everybody happy. But this morning, I want to talk about the greatest Christmas gift. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, this verse is called the gospel in a nutshell. It's been called the world's greatest love story. It's been called the, the gospel in one sentence. But today on Christmas, I want to call it God's gift to you. God. Let's see if we can get this verse up on the screen here so they can see this. God, the greatest being, so loved the greatest emotion, the world, the greatest number of people, that he gave the greatest sacrifice, his only begotten son, the greatest possession, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes him, the greatest plan of salvation, should not perish the greatest condemnation, but have everlasting life, the greatest possession. Amen? So now let's talk about the presence, okay? See, when children, when we talk about the presence of God, it's like, when Jessica was sitting up here and you were sitting there with her, you were in her presence because you could hear her, you knew she was there, you could tell she was around. And I'm telling you, God wants to be like that in our lives where you can literally feel him there 
His presence. And that's a great opportunity when we do worship that I think a lot of people miss out on. When you really press in, God's presence comes. And you can feel Him in a tangible way. But Psalm 1611, You will show me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 97.5, The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Now there's a story in Exodus that talks about Moses, how important the presence of God was in his life. And we'll read just a little bit of that. Exodus 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, and the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hevite, the Jebusite, the Bud Lights, the Pepsi Lights, whatever is there. He'll drive them out. Uh-oh, got you going. So God's, uh, he goes on to say he's a little upset here. But he's taking them. He said, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard the bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. Think about that word a minute. The Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up in your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Herod. Ornaments. Think about that a minute. I mean, on Christmas, where do we put ornaments, children? On the Christmas tree. And those ornaments can represent memories, uh, family moments, all these things in our life. I got a few here. Oh, Merry Christmas. Nin- our first Christmas together, Sharon. 1980. Oh. We got one here. Oh, with all the kids going down one of those rides at Disney World. We got one of those memories there. We got... Oh, a little more. She made this at church when she was 45 inches tall in 98. And she made this. We hanged out on the tree. Ooh, I got my high school musical one. I wanted that CD so bad for Christmas. Just kidding. No, really. I wrote it. No, just kidding. I don't know. I won't tell anybody. But you know, those ornaments represent a lot of things. And sometimes, I don't know, but I start wondering at our house, is there a tree under those ornaments? Because you just, I mean, we don't even have to buy a tree, really. We just make this metal thing and put the ornaments all over it, and it looks like a tree. But without getting in to a theological breakdown or discussion of the children of Israel's ornaments or their jewelry they had, I want us to think about our lives compared to the ornaments on a Christmas tree. Sometimes we, I mean, those ornaments represent kind of who we are, what we value, uh, and sometimes they end up covering up who we are. And God wanted them to strip themselves of their ornaments. I want that to kind of, you know, it's, the, it's Christmas, but it's also the end of the year. And it's a great time to kind of evaluate ourselves in the light of His presence. And I think sometimes we have all these ornaments, these facades, these covers up, cover up. It's almost like a spiritual makeup. And it's on so thick we put on with a putty knife so people don't see who we really are. But as Christians, we should reflect the glory of God. They should be able to look at us and see who? They should be able to see Jesus. And we could really break this story down a lot, but just, just today, 
just going into the first of this year, ask the Lord, what are those things we just kind of cover ourselves with that maybe need to come off for this coming year so people can really see Jesus in our lives? In the Exodus 33, one more verse out of that story that Moses said. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, Moses said, I don't even want to move from here if you're not coming with us, God. I mean, I don't want to go into next year without the presence of God in my life. And when God's presence manifested, it actually manifested in a very tangible, natural way. I mean, there was a pillar during the day of smoke and a pillar of fire at night. And in the New Testament, the presence of God is manifested through the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, it came corporately as a mighty rushing wind, individually as tongues of fire. But God knew Moses' presence. And it was God's presence that separated them from everybody else. And it should be the same with us as Christians today. I mean, we're talking about the greatest gift. The Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. But his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I'm telling you, his presence will change your life. I mean, when Moses was with God, his face literally shined. And I know some of you really understand that. I mean, I've got a friend here today that was going through some hard times in relationships this week, coming right into Christmas, and he feels like he's going to be alone. But I knew what he'd always do in the past when he's in the youth group. He'd get in the presence of God. And I said, you just got to go get in the presence. As a matter of fact, they'd get in the presence, him and his brother, and people just come over to their house just to get in the presence with them. Because, I mean, God has show up when you worship him. And in a way where... The fear will go, the anxiety will go, the peace will come, the presence will change you. But maybe this year has been kind of a mess. Maybe it's been some tough times. You know, I picked a, looked at a story this last week, and it's about a man who was working on his motorcycle out on the patio. He had it up on the stands, he's kind of adjusting the carburetor and, and had it running. It falls off of the stand. It drags him and the motorcycle through the glass patio door into the dining room where he crashes and falls down. His wife in the kitchen hears the crash, runs in to see him cut and bleeding. She calls 911. The paramedics come, and as they're coming, their house is up on a hill. So she goes down these several flights of stairs to meet the paramedics to know to come up to the house. So they go up to the house. They get him in the stretcher, take him to the hospital. Well, she goes back into the house. She uprights the motorcycle pushes it back out into the patio, and then she goes in, and there's gas spilled on the floor. She takes paper towels and, you know, dabs it up and gets all the gas up and throws the paper towels in the toilet. And then the husband comes home from the hospital. Don't tell him. You know where it's going. The husband comes home from the hospital, sees the broken patio door, sees all the damage to his motorcycle, gets despondent and discouraged, and he just is so depressed, he goes to the bathroom and has a cigarette. He smokes the cigarette while he's sitting on the toilet, still seated. He throws the cigarette into the toilet. The wife hears the explosion. Her husband screaming, runs into the bathroom, sees him lying on the floor with his pants blown off, burns on his legs and back in several strategic areas. And she runs back out to the kitchen calls 911, they come back, she goes to the bottom of the stairs again and meets them, and they come up, they load him up, head down the long flight of stairs, 
On the way down, the paramedic asks the wife, how did this happen? When she tells him, the paramedics start laughing so hard that one of them drops his end. The guy goes down the stairs and breaks his ankle. I think that guy's day got messed up, huh? You know, we kind of laugh, but, you know, maybe some of your plans today got messed up. Or maybe some of your plans for a lifetime can sometimes get changed. Well, I got some good news and bad news. The bad news is life gets messy. Sometimes our plans for a day get messed up. Sometimes our plans for a lifetime get changed. But the good news is Jesus can fix messy. Amen? That's the reason he came in the first place. He wants to get into the messiness of our lives, the pain, the hurts, the sorrow, the might-have-beens, the could-have-beens, and begin to work his miraculous power. You know, we heard last night, we shared some testimonies here. We had a, a packed house last night on Christmas Eve. And one young man was just sharing how, I mean, basically raised, his parents were meth addicts. And, you know, didn't even realize it. And, and when he got about 18, he got into all sorts of drugs. And his brother kept praying for him, encouraged him. And it was during that time he just hit the bottom and felt like his life was just, he was ready to kill himself. And, you know, his brother stepped in and just, again, said, you need to ask Christ in your life. And he invited Christ in. And, man, his life has changed. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful story. Is there any lives out there that were a little messy and God came in and changed? I'm telling you, we're, we're testimonies. Well, as I close, I want to remind you of the greatest gift again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Two things about this gift. First of all, it's a costly gift. He gave his only son. And when God, even that little baby in the major, he knew he was going to grow up and go through one of the most brutal deaths anybody could go through. I mean, be, be beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross. And God knew that even, but he knew it was the answer for us. That blood had to be shed to forgive us of our sins. So it was a costly gift. And not only was the gift costly, but that gift is conditional. It says, for whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. The condition of the gift is faith. It says, by faith we are saved By grace we are saved through faith. Now this is talking about the act of faith. Okay, faith is an action word. It's not talking about intellectual belief. Intellectual belief is not faith. The Bible says even the devils believe and tremble. But these demons are not going to go to heaven. It's not talking about intellectual faith. It's talking about a belief of commitment where you're trusting in, relying on Jesus Christ for Him alone for your salvation. Taking your life with all of its sin, all of its problems, all of its potential, and giving it to Jesus Christ and making Him Lord. Now let me ask you as we close, have you done that? You know, if you've never done that, you've not met God's condition for salvation, and you've not been born again. I don't care how many churches you join. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care how upright you walk. I don't care how eloquently you speak. I don't care how much you give, how well you sing, how much you give, unless you've met the condition for saving faith, 
by inviting Jesus Christ in your life, you've not been saved. You know what? You can combine all the goodness of Billy Graham, all the compassion of Florence Nightingale, all the fervor of the Apostle Paul, all the love of the Apostle John, all the commitment of D.L. Moody, all of the honesty of C.H. Spurgeon, all the forthrightness of Oliver Wendell Holmes, all the morality of Norman Vincent Peale, all the courage of John F. Kennedy, all the patriotism of George Washington. You can roll them all up into one, and it's not enough to merit salvation. No matter how good you are, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life without His presence. I don't want to go a day without His presence. But maybe you're thinking, well, maybe my, my life's a little too messy. I need to get things kind of cleaned up first. I need to kind of get things right. Well, you can't get right to get God. You've got to get God to get right. You've got to invite Him into the mess right where you're at. I tell you, He'll take you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. And on Christmas Day, as we close today, I want to ask you a very important question. Are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Do you have a personal relationship? Have you been born again? That's the most important thing. I'll tell you, the greatest gift you could give Christ today is your life. With all its mess, all its problems, because I promise you, duct tape ain't going to fix it. I mean, I don't care. You know, how you're in East Texas. There's some men in here that maybe need to get things right with God. Because even though you got your crescent wrench and whatever else, you're not going to be able to fix this situation. And no matter how good you are, you say, well, I'm a good person. Well, that's what I was thinking in my head when a guy said, I was 30 years old. I'd been going to church. But really, honestly, I was living like the devil the rest of the week. And it was 20-some years ago. I raised my hand and I said, say a prayer for me. Because I need to personally ask Jesus Christ into my life. And I'm telling you, He'll change your life. His presence will change your life. That's what I'm talking about. Not just going to church, not a religious thing. I'm talking about having a personal relationship where you invite the presence of God to come live on the inside and change your life. So today, you might have just, first of all, be thinking, how did I end up at this church? Well, you had family members or friends and you wound up here. I know a lot of people in this room, I recognize faces. But if you never ask Christ into your life, if you don't have the greatest gift and have received it by faith, then today, I'm going to count to three. And if you raise your hand up, that means you want to invite Christ into your life. It doesn't mean you're joining the church today. It's saying, God, I give you permission to come into my life, to experience your presence, to, to experience your love and plan for my life. And maybe you've gotten off track and you just realize, hey, Christmas Day is the day I need to get things right with God. So on a count of three, if that's you, if you want to make a commitment to God, invite Him into your life, or just kind of start over again today, I want you to hold up your hand. And we're going to say a prayer for you. One, two, three. See your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? See your hand. Anybody else? There's several last night. I see you back there. See some children. See your hand. See lady back there. See your hand. Amen. See your hand. God bless you. Your hand. Amen. See your hands over there. Give Jesus a hand clap today. Amen. I'm telling you, this is a happy birthday for Jesus. That all that pain he went through didn't go for waste. If you'd have been the only person on this earth, he'd have died for you. One last time, I still think there's a man in here that you really need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's worth it.
Anybody else, hold up your hand before we say a prayer and close. Thank you, Jesus. I saw your hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now, how many have said this prayer before? Hold up your hand. Or a prayer something like this, where you've invited Christ into your life. And let's all say it together, especially those of you that raised your hand today when I first counted to three. Let's say this together and say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I invite you to come into my life. Forgive me. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. The kind of person I really want to be. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your power. So fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Let me never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we'll have a couple of our staff around here. If you raised your hand, and maybe this is the first time, before you leave, we're going to dismiss. Before you leave, just come over by the cross. We'll have somebody just give you some information. And if you're one of the children here and you go to our children's church and, and you come here regularly, you know, let one of our children's pastors know when you come back and let them know, hey, I, I raised my hand on Christmas and I'll have some special literature for you to give and a special prayer for you. Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, if you need any prayer for something, I'm just going to say a prayer over you, but if you need prayer for something specifically, uh, we'll stay and pray with you. Okay, because we believe at this church that Jesus came yesterday, today, and forever. He healed 2,000 years ago. He can heal today. We'll pray for healing. I mean, my most memorable Christmas, our daughter had been born premature, and, and we had drove to Arizona, and it was Christmas Eve, and we were in the hospital, and they did major surgery on her when she was one and a half years old. But we were back at my sister's house that Christmas. And we didn't have much money, and we'd stretched ourselves to get out there and didn't have any presents. But I saw my daughter sitting under the tree when she's in the hospital the night before, having major surgery. And she's under that tree opening the present. I'm telling you, that was the best Christmas ever, even though we didn't have much. God can do that. He can heal. He can save and He deliver. Amen? Let's give Jesus one more hand clap this morning. Hallelujah.